The truth is, a man cannot become a woman, and a woman cannot become a man. And we, as people of the truth, should never affirm lies. However, as we interact with people in this situation, we should show love and compassion, offer the hope that they have in Christ through the gospel, without affirming what they're doing or signaling tacit approval. Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing Church here in Duluth, Minnesota. My name is Brent Nelson. I am on the pastoral staff here and one of the elders, and it's been our privilege to bring to you conversations in recent weeks about the topic of Christian ethics. We as a church are going through the adult Sunday school class content of Wayne Grudem's excellent resource called Christian Ethics. It was published in 2018. Several of our elders are sharing the the load of studying chapters and presenting those chapters with me today as one of the elders who's done a great deal of teaching from Grudem's material, Howard Hayes. Howard, thanks for being a part of this Life in Christ podcast conversation. It's great to be here. It's a lot of fun to think through deep things together, isn't it? It is. I'm glad I don't have to do it alone. (laughs) I'm glad I don't have to do it alone either. We're talking today about a topic that many people will find, I think, important and interesting and even urgent because it's transgenderism. What does the Bible have to say? How do we please the Lord in responding to something called transgenderism? Now, in one sense, nobody can change their gender. So transgenderism doesn't really happen. There's no switching of an actual gender of a person, but it's it's an attempt at living if you're a man as a woman or an attempt to live if you're a woman as a man. Very often someone will say, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Those are delusions. They're, they're not reality. They've, they've received the title of gender dysphoria. That's a bit of a more psychological and medical term. But the reality is, there's, there's always been persons who have had that level of confusion in the way the medical community has responded for such a long period of time, as long as there's been records, is to help that person become more uh, united and comfortable and happy and at peace within the body they've been given biologically. Uh, in a recent conversation with the U.S. Senate as they were considering Supreme Court Justice Jackson for her role. She was asked what a woman is, and she said, I'm not a biologist. I don't know if I can give an answer to that, which is very telling because the response should have been, so you agree this is a biological question. If you agree it's a biological question, the conversation's over. If, in fact, biology determines a woman to be a woman or a man to be a man. We simply say, as the Bible does, 27 trillion cells inside every human being are all determined by maleness or femaleness. We don't present ourselves as expert on this, just as we would say that about any topic, but we do want to say what the Bible says about transgenderism. What have you found helpful as you studied Grudem and made presentation to our body? Well, what we're trying to do is find out what the Bible has to say about this question of transgenderism. Is it possible for someone to choose their gender and have that be different than what their biology would suggest? So he digs into uh, what the Bible has to say about it. And you may be surprised that the Bible does talk a little bit about it very specifically. Uh, But much more generally, it addresses the issue going back to the creation narrative. In creation, God made men and women equal in value and personhood, but distinct in their sexuality. 
Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you alluded to the fact that I think that the scientists say that the average human body is made up of 40 trillion cells. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of those 40 trillion, 27 trillion of them, so roughly three quarters of all those trillions of cells are very specific to our biological sex. And no matter what somebody does to try and change the way they look surgically or through hormone treatment or through the way they dress, they can't change those 27 trillion cells. Right. Well, and of course, immediately my mind goes to, what is going on inside you that makes you say, I have to try to make this change? My grief is deep for someone who feels so out of sorts with themselves biologically that this this kind of radical self-remaking, this radical self-harm, severely strong drugs and self-mutilation or self-castration and, 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 and the whole process where we go to the medical community and ask them to perform immoral acts of harm against a healthy human body, that, that there's a tragedy inside that, it seems to me. Yeah, there is. And if you would have talked to just one generation ago and asked them questions like, well, what is a woman? And, and they would say that a Supreme Court nominee couldn't answer that question. Right. They would look at us like we were the man from the moon. Right. Uh, so this has progressed radically uh, quickly in our culture and, you know, we'll get into the pertinent biblical passages, but, you know, 20 years ago, this wasn't an option. There was a very, very, very small fringe of the culture that may be dabbling in this, but now it's presented as a viable, very accessible, very accepted option for our young people. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Uh, social media has has uh, created a, a false community, a sense of affirmation in that. And then and then the development of medical technologies has has allowed for that. There are there are impoverished nations around the world where this isn't an issue because nothing's available. Right. So it is in a sense a first world issue indeed, at indeed. least at this time. Indeed. You know, God made men and women different. We all know that. Men are stronger, uh, men are bigger. Men have bigger muscle mass, bigger bones. <laughs> and, and there's some other things that, you know, that's all obvious. Um, but there's a few other things that are a little bit less obvious. Men have better distance vision and depth perception. Women have better night vision and visual memory. I didn't know that until I did this research. Uh, women's fertility decays early in their lives. Uh, men can continue to father children till very late in their life. Men tend to be monofocused, generally speaking. Obviously, there's a spectrum here, but men tend to be very good at focusing on one thing at one time and giving all their effort to that, whereas women are able to focus on numerous things at the same time, which men can't do. Men tend to be warriors. Women tend to be nurturers. So there are some natural differences in the way God uh, created us. I know that I look up to my wife and her capacity to think through lots of different things at the same time, and my small little mind can only focus on one. So yes, and amen. 
Well, and Exhibit it's, part, a. it's part of the complementary nature sure. of marriage. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, the things that I'm good at, my wife isn't as good at, and the things she's good at, I'm not very good at. Yeah. So together, yeah. we're good at a lot more things than mm-hmm. either one of us apart. So it's clear that God intends that a person's gender identity is determined by that person's biological sex. There is no hint anywhere in the Bible, not even a hint, that people, men or women, should identify as the other sex or attempt to act in ways that are appropriate to the other sex. Instead, the Bible clearly directs that each sex should dress and act in ways that clearly identify them as such. Right. The Bible directs that it should be very plain to see who is a man and who is a woman. Uh, the first Bible passage that I'll go to after Genesis is Deuteronomy 22.5, mm-hmm. which says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. And although this is part of the Old Testament law, the principle still reveals Absolutely. God's heart. Absolutely. Gender expression should align with one's biological sex. There should be no gender confusion based on the way we dress or act. God seems to be saying, in general, let the way you look as a male or a female express what the culture expects from a male or a female, recognizing that over time that may vary. What makes transgenderism an abomination, and that's a strong word, is that it obscures our ability to accurately reflect God's image rightly. Right. So that's an important concept here. God is consistently in the scriptures portrayed as the husband, while we, the church, or his people are portrayed as his bride. So husband and bride. In this world, man represents God in that symbology, and women represent God's people. The God-given differences between men and women, therefore, are necessary to accurately reflect God's glory and to make it be seen rightly. Yes, so marriage across the ages and ethnicities is all a God-designed parable or display or drama of his heavenly husband, Christ, and his love for the church eternally. So yes, there's a glorious God-honoring design in the way he made human beings, male and female, and called them to remain in that biological identity as if, you said earlier, as if it were even possible to change every one of your cells. Uh, But to do so thankfully, to do so joyfully, to do so as an act of worship and an act of, uh, of agreement and alignment with his design, not raging against it not chafing under it, bristling against it. Right, and there's there's definitely a spiritual aspect to this also. When you think about what the Bible has to say about the enemy, Satan wants to kill and destroy. So his first objective is to kill God's people. If he can't do that for whatever reason, the next best thing is if he can mar God's image in us. When a man is living as a woman or vice versa, that is marring or distorting God's image in that person. That's what makes it an abomination. It's an abomination, and that's not too strong of a word when you see it in its full light. It's, it's really a great tragedy to try to enact that abomination in such a way that, that you've lost touch with reality. 
you've lost touch with the reality of who God made you to be and who God made all women to be women, men to be men. Yeah, the implications are boundless. Yeah. We're, we're being told now that we are to embrace lies. These are lies. A, wo- a woman cannot be a man and a man cannot be a woman, and right. yet you can't say that or you're shot down or worse. So we're being told that we have to affirm lies. And the scripture is clear that we are people of the truth. God's word never changes. Culture changes. God's word is fixed and perfect and unneeding of change. Well, absolutely. And and even from the perspective of those who would advocate that lie, they too would say they're people of the truth. They too would say, we declare reality. We simply see it as the reverse and the direct polar opposite of what you're saying it is. Yeah, it reminds me of that question right before the crucifixion. What is truth? Right. The world wants to know what truth is. Sure. The truth is God. God is truth. And his word is truth. So what his word has to say about this issue, in my mind, is undisputable. Yeah. There is no science that says a a surgery or a protocol of severely strong hormones is actually a successful way of turning a man into a woman or a woman into a man. No, in reality, it's it's cosmetic. It's surface level only because the who you are inside is unchanged by any of those procedures. How does, how does a person feel when they discover after those severe and costly changes have been made that they're really the same person inside? Well, as I alluded to in a previous podcast, we have experience with this. Our daughter is living as a, as a transgender. So my wife and I have been loving her through this for uh, quite a few years now. And uh, my experience from observing her and others in her community here locally is that there is a great sense of letdown when they go through these extreme measures to quote unquote change themselves mm-hmm. and then they realize that it really doesn't achieve what they were hoping for uh, there's oftentimes anxiety depression all sorts of other issues that probably were there from the beginning but are almost accentuated right. as they realize that what they've done the great lengths they've gone to um, really didn't achieve what they hoped for well, and the scriptures are replete with warnings not to violate the nature that God has given to us in in all the aspects of nature, whether it's the cosmology or whether it's the human body or whether it's animal kingdom or whether it's the the earth on which we live or whether it's it's a, at a atomistic or molecular level. God has created the world as He's created it, and to try to uh, manipulate it and rage against it is always unwise. Yeah, and what I've observed is is there's just this constant inter, inner battle that's going on, and that creates anxiety. Some studies will show that the suicide rate in the transgender community is as much as 20 times higher than for the general population. Yeah, and very often that will be blamed on those of, of, of our view, for instance, who, who would call them out of it in, in hope that they, might, uh, that they might experience the goodness and love of God and the ability to live in concert with their with their creation, their design biologically. But the reality is our culture is pretty eagerly affirming the decisions they've made in transgenderism. So really the culture is supportive and you'd think would erase that 20 times higher suicide attempted rate. Yeah, I think what's going on deep down is that raging against nature and, and the image of God that who he created them to be, they're trying to, trying to change that. They've essentially decided that God messed up. 
that God put me in the wrong body and it's my job to fix it. And now we have the technology and the cultural approval to do that, or so they think. And then they're just fighting in constant stress and anxiety. And there's, there's an overwhelming lack of peace. The peace of Christ is not there. And there's just this constant turmoil. It's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking. So even though the culture and many in the society have spent untold dollars supporting that, uh, that confused self-harming decision, it still leaves one peaceless and restless. That's been our experience and our observation. Sure prompts me to want to pray. And before we're done, I'm going to pray for, for those who might be uh, suffering under such a thing. When we think about applications to our culture, some of the questions that are constantly in the news are, do we approve of men who are cosmetically identifying as a woman competing on women's sports teams? That's a very common question in our culture. Probably a story comes out if you're following the news, and maybe that's not the wisest thing to do, but if you are, you might find a story on that pretty often, almost every day. Yeah, it's right in front of us. You know, it's locker rooms, it's bathrooms in schools, it's sports teams. You know, the ramifications of this are widespread, but I think it's clear that the Bible suggests that all those things are wrong. I think we can definitively say that, no, boys shouldn't be on girls' sports teams. Boys shouldn't use women's lock or girls' locker rooms. Right. Boys shouldn't use girls' bathrooms in school. Uh, those are wrong. And to approve of that requires us to affirm a lie, and we're not willing to do that. If we do go along with that, we're just adding to the gender confusion that's already rampant. There's some studies now that say that somewhere in America, there, there are schools now where over 50% of the children are identifying as transgender. Oh, my. I had no idea that it was that far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just sad. It's very sad. How about how do we counsel ourselves under God's word when it comes to the use of different pronouns, calling uh, a she a he, calling a he a she? Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I have dealt with this issue for a long time now, and and we're in agreement with Dr. Grudem's position that we should not use these preferred pronouns. Which are false. Which are false, yeah. because that's affirming a lie. The next question is, what about the name, the new name? Um, I'm, I'm more willing to go there. What I've chosen to do in our family is I call my daughter by her nickname, which is Bear, because that's not male or female, and I can happily call her Bear. Um, but she goes by Sean now, and, and my wife will call her Sean, and other family members do. I'm not as hard line on that, because we all have names and nicknames. That That's not as black and white to me, but the pronouns, I, I don't do that. But on the other hand, I don't continue to throw it in my daughter's face. So we're living together right now. Yeah. So You're being gracious. You're being patient and kind. If, if you're not in this situation, you, real, you don't realize how difficult it is to formulate a sentence without using a pronoun. So I won't use the wrong pronoun, but I don't want to use the pronoun that will make her feel bad either. So I have to think in my mind before I speak, how can I use or formulate this sentence in a kind and loving way and still convey my thought? But we've just told her we're, we're not going to affirm a lie. Well, what other thoughts come to your mind when you think of making a, a strong statement on behalf of the landing as elders and on behalf of God, God and his word and helpful authors like Grudem? Are there anything, any other themes or items that you feel are important that we should touch on? 
Well, I think we've, we've covered it basically, but I just want to reaffirm that the truth is, and we are people of the truth, the truth is a man cannot become a woman, and a woman cannot become a man. And we, as people of the truth, should never affirm lies. However, as we interact with people in this situation, we should show love and compassion, offer the hope that they have in Christ through the gospel without affirming what they're doing or signaling tacit approval. Interesting. One, one last thing I'll throw out there is th- there was a study that actually got published in the Wall Street Journal. It was almost eight or nine years ago, so it probably wouldn't even be published today. But the study found that 70 to 80% of young people who reported transgender feelings, who then did not go on to receive medical or hormonal treatment, ended up spontaneously losing those feelings. And I'm sure at the time they thought that's the way they were made. This is who I am. And only a few short years later, they had a complete switch because they didn't go down the path of hormone treatment or surgical treatment. So parents, if you're dealing with this situation, there is hope. Hang in there. Be patient. Yeah. Obviously, God can change hearts too. And when we come to love Christ and to submit to him and, and seek forgiveness, he promises that he can change the desires of our hearts. And that's one of them. And I'll praise the Lord. He does do that. Well, Howard, thanks. Thanks for your labor and your study and your your excellent teaching. Thanks for your drawing out marvelous materials from Dr. Wayne Grudem. We want to thank the Lord for him and his writing. Uh, if anyone else is interested in learning more on this topic, I can highly recommend a book recently out by Carl Truman called Strange New World, in which he explores some of the factors in our history and culture that have contributed to much of the rapid change that we've alluded to. I would like to pray to end our time together. Let's do that. Father in heaven, we bow before you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for all that you've shown us of yourself in your word. And we pray for any person who is uh, experiencing an intense need to change their uh, appearance or what they identify in their gender, that you would release them from those feelings as Howard's good report just promised is possible and happens. We thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit to move into a person's life and to take away these these self-loathing feelings or feelings that I should be a different sex than I am. I pray, Father, that you would call the church to boldly declare the hope of that possibility and of that desire on your part to achieve that glorious reunification of one's identity and body. And I pray that you would give us boldness even when those profoundly mistaken and profoundly confused are trying to silence that hope. We stand for hope in Christ here at the landing, and we will proclaim it as you help us boldly and without fear and without apology and without any intimidation. So we we ask you for that boldness. Paul prayed for it. The early church prayed for it. I pray for it now. And then, Lord, I pray for the person whose life is, is, inner life especially, is so grieved that they feel the need to engage in some kind of radical harm against their body to try to bring some relief or bring some order back to their lives as they perceive it. Would you open their eyes? Would you minister to them the way you ministered to those who are 
uh, oppressed by demons, uh, to, to those who are eunuchs and have been made eunuchs by others or made eunuchs by themselves in Matthew 19. And elsewhere in the Bible, there's a patience and a grace and a mercy to those deeply hurt and confused by sin they've committed and sin others have committed against them. We pray, Father, that you would give us a voice of the good news of the gospel with joy to share to our very needy culture, recognizing we ourselves stand in need of your grace as much as any. We ask all this in the priceless, precious, powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church. 